Business leaders today need to go beyond meetings and management. There are action steps that nearly every leader needs to know to align with their core values and get the important priorities done. Welcome to the Grow Forward Today podcast with Paul D. Casey. Whether you're just starting out as a leader in your organization or have been a seasoned professional who wants to explore new ideas and practices, this will be an enlightening and highly applicable program. And now, your host, Paul Casey. Ever been under a leader who didn't care about people? How about one without vision for your team? Maybe one who was overwhelmed? Let's talk about what the opposite of that looks like today. Today on episode 37 of the Grow Forward Today podcast, you'll meet my guest, Aaron Grow. Aaron is a professor of all things leadership and organizational development and the go-to guy for research and best practices on enhancing workplace culture. And I bet you and I are going to be taking a lot of notes on how we can play an influential role in the teams around us through our personal leadership development. Ready to grow forward? Welcome, friends. I remember reading John Maxwell's 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership when I started delving into the field of leadership development when I was about 30 years old. And I did so after someone on a hiring committee asked me what leadership books I had been reading. None. That was a bad answer. Well, that changed. Now I read about a book a week on leadership, whether it be personal, team, or organizational, not counting podcasts and magazines. And now, like my guest today, I have chosen leaders to be my ideal client. Why? Because for each leader that has developed and grown, all those people under that leader have the potential to increase their capacity. It's multiplication versus addition. My guest today is Aaron Grow. Here's a little bit about Aaron. He holds a PhD in leadership. He's worked domestically in small, medium, and large organizations in IT, the food industry, and in higher education. He served as the executive producer and host of Northwest Radio's Personal Best Radio, was an international program manager from Microsoft, and was the first organizational development and continuous learning manager in the U.S. West Coast region for Green Mountain Coffee Roasters. As an expert in organizational development through management excellence, Dr. Grow serves business and industry as a keynote speaker, author, and seminar leader. His books include How Not to Suck as a Manager, an Audible.com bestseller, Change or Go, How to Stop Non-Team Player at Work, and Stop Pretending You're Being Heard. More information about Dr. Grow and his company, AP Grow & Associates, can be found online at apgrow.com. And Aaron is the pre past president of the National Speakers Association Northwest Chapter, and that's how we first connected. Welcome, Aaron. Thank you, Paul. It's a pleasure to be with you here today. Aaron, you've got a PhD. What led you down that road toward getting a doctorate? Well, early in my career, I was a, an administrator in colleges and universities. And, mm. and in that setting, if you're going to be overseeing people who have doctorates, it's probably a good idea to <laughs> have one yourself. So I, I was in a situation where I could pick that up as a, a benefit of the university I was working with. And so I went for it. And uh, that's what, that, those were the reasons. But I, I will say, I, I would caution anybody uh, who's thinking about doing master's or doctorate to be 
pretty sure about uh, why. The why is important here. I mean, I'll just go with what Cynic says. Um, <laughs> uh, because doing it just for doing its sake, while that's laudable, and, and you know, if you're a Renaissance person, any learning is good learning. Um, but when it comes to having to spend a lot of dollars and a lot of time for the learning, then maybe it's the practical side of me, but I just think there, there better be a very uh, clear reason for doing it. So as far as the doctorate level stuff goes, that's for people who are going to be teaching university or heavily into research, particularly engineering or the sciences. Um, and of course, later administration, but master's work is also uh, really important. So the degree is great. Um, and it certainly opened uh, some doors for me uh, during my career. Um, but I would also caution people or just that for the advice, what it might be worth, I, I would suggest that people who go down that road also have a good balance of work experience. Because many times I've, I've come across people who have just moved right through that, those steps, the bachelor's, master's, and doctorate, and never really spent any time in the work world. Mm. And, mm -hmm. and you can imagine what an employer might think about that. Uh, particularly in, in the past, universities used to be comfortable with that. But, but I think more now, they are looking for people who have had experience outside of academia. And, and, and I know outside of academia for every other field, they definitely want people who have experience outside of just their formal education. So that's what got me into it. And I guess I added a little more to your question. Oh, that's of, good. That's with good some advice. advice, but uh, <sighs> yes. yeah, be, be sure of your target and, and have a balance of, of work experience that at, for each level, both masters and, and doctorate level. Yeah. And I too should help. Yeah. I too was uh, paid for my master's was paid for by my organization and so it's like, you know, you can't pass up that perk. I mean, it's just right there in front of you. It's a lot of dollars. And if you can definitely get it in the field you want to go into it, it rounds out the experience like you talked about. It's a win-win. And if you can, if you could choose a degree, I think that is applicable to the workplace that you're in. Like I, have a, I had a client this morning just say that. It's like, I'm in this program at Georgia Tech and it's, it's completely applicable to what I'm doing on my project right now at the National Laboratory. I was like, wow, that's that's amazing because you're getting a two for one. <laughs> that's right. That is good when that when that's possible. And you chose leadership for your Ph.D. You probably had other choices. So why did you pick leadership? Well, again, it was it was part of the work I was doing. I was overseeing uh, university programs and I knew I'd eventually want to look into business and industry as well. Okay. It was early in the creation of this type of degree. And since that's what I was involved with, and it was really my interest area, I thought that might be the right call for me. Business was certainly a possibility as well. I, I've since picked up my MBA um, years later, like just recently. I, nice. I picked that up. I could have done it back then, like 25 years ago, and maybe I should have. But uh, as I work with many who have MBAs, I just felt it was important to earn that myself. But mm -hmm. anyway, that's uh, again, maybe a bit off of the question you'd <laughs> ask, but 
but yeah, it's been, it's open doors and I'm sure it would for others as well. But I just caution people. If, if, it's like, it's like taking advantage of that tax benefit. Like if you're having money <laughs> taken out of your paycheck yeah. and, the, and the company's willing to match it, then my goodness, you take, you withhold as much as you possibly can to what they'll match. And, and yeah, for me, it was one of those benefits, like you've mentioned, uh, if the workplace offers it, go for it, you know, and yeah. do that. Yeah. Absolutely. And I love the phrase opening doors because it's true. Once I got my master's, then I could teach people and programs, but that, that was a requirement in order to teach. So you had to have the master's. So it does, it does open doors. And I was also told they either have a doctorate or uh, you write a book to really get the credibility <laughs> to be a professional speaker. So you've done both. Well, there you go, covering all the bases. <laughs> so, yes. So let's talk about those a few books that you've written. Would you give us a little peek into each one of those? Sure. You you did mention them in the intro, and that's and thank you for that. the The first one came about as it was interesting. I was out on the road doing training for a national company, and and the training I was doing had to do with uh, communication strategies and being successful in in communication strategies in the workplace. And and one of those areas was how, how to work with people who are kind of difficult to work with. Mm -hmm. And, and, and every communication course has one of those. And, and then within that was a subsection. Well, what if the difficult person is the boss and, and every city I ever presented in there were, and it didn't matter the size of the audience. It was always a reaction like, Oh my gosh, I'm definitely going to take notes here. <laughs> and I was just surprised. I thought my own experience, sometimes I had had some bosses who weren't quite ready for leadership. And, and I just thought I was the unique one, but it turned out so not to be the case. So what I did is I started asking people to go to a website that I had created called how not to suck as a manager.com. And, <laughs> and the, the data I gathered from that, and I asked just one question for people, of course, they wanted to tell me their stories and their experiences yeah. in the, in the uh, seminars. And that was fine, but I wanted to get a way to record that. And, and over time, hundreds of people had done this and five themes came out of that. And, and those five themes ended up being the topics that we covered in that first book, how to not suck as a manager. Wow. And, um, and, and so to follow up with that a few years later, uh, questions kept coming in about one of those areas in particular, which was to, a, a good manager, a manager who doesn't suck, takes action when there are employees who, who really need a conversation or they need something to help them improve. And, and the title kind of speaks <laughs> the strategy, it help them to change or find somewhere else to be. Because uh, there are just so many managers who'd rather avoid the difficult conversations and, and, and I just, time and time again, I counsel uh, leaders uh, who are particularly new leaders. Um, they, they think it's easier to ignore these things. And, and quite frankly, the, the more difficult thing, especially for other team members is to ignore it. Um, that the, the bigger cost, the more stress, the frustration is higher for those situations where it's ignored. So, having the conversation, helping people improve or find somewhere else to be. Uh, yeah, that's an elaboration of one of the points in the first book. And so that's where Change Your Go came from. Um, and the third one touches on communication, which again was a 
highlighted in the first book, people, managers often think that just because they've said something uh, means that it was heard or understood in the way that was intended. And, and so again, I, I did my best to choose a title that, that reflects the mm-hmm. true intent of the book was, you know, stop pretending you're being heard and, and looking for ways to give, give leaders. And this one's actually quite applicable in, in, in personal life as well, but uh, a strategies for getting attention, ensuring it's understood as intended, helping people remember whatever's messaged out, what the important messages are in work and in life. And, and yeah, so those are the three books um, that we've got out so far. More coming, but we can talk about those some other time. Oh, you know, it's a brilliant strategy, a website with one question. I'm totally stealing this idea, by the way. <laughs> and then people... Uh, people share their stories and and then group them around five themes and then it became a book that is that is brilliant so the closest i came to that is i'm on an airplane before my first book and i'm just have, i'm procrastinating writing it for years it's in my it's in my head my heart and i tell the guy next to me strikes up a conversation on an airplane blah 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 and i want to write a book he's like why well, haven't you written it like i know i just i just need to write it. he pulls out like the delta napkin on the on the tray table and he goes so what's so what's your book and he draws this little web and he puts the main premise of my book the static cling principle in the middle and he's like so what do you want to talk about i'm like well you know like what attaches to your life that is good you know mindsets and habits okay and he draws a little arm off to it and he puts that in a bubble and he goes what else do you want to talk about like oh what 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 do you not want to attach to your life because it's going to hurt you and he puts another line basically he he gave the outline of my book on a delta napkin on an airplane and then came back scheduled a retreat and wrote it awesome <laughs> that, what a gift how what serendipitous uh, experience that I was know. To, uh, I know. meet somebody at the airport or on the plane that uh, could just help you through that uh, procrastination apparently <laughs> yes oh, yes good. it was it was it was a real gift and, and now it's just amazing how people helping people process something and getting them unstuck which of course then i was called to be a coach and that's what i do for a living now so it's uh it was nice to be the recipient of as well <laughs> that's great that is good well, you use video a lot to encourage others and communicate positive messages. I am one of your followers uh, in social media. So, Aaron, what's your social media strategy for influencing others? Well, influencing, I, I do my best to, to share strategies that I think can help. Uh, I, we'll have Time will tell how much influence it has, but... <laughs> But honestly, I found uh, it being entertaining is is one thing that helps uh, get attention, and mm-hmm. and and so I've also found that it's uh, quite easy to highlight what not to do, and maybe that hails back to oh. the, the title that I mm-hmm. come up with years ago. You know, here's what not to do, and and so many people point at the office as a television <laughs> show, which highlights <laughs> what not to do, and. Uh-huh. And that's so painful to watch. It, it just, I can't really <laughs> endorse that because it just hurts too much. But I will <laughs> say that the strategy does get attention. Obviously, the popularity of the show um, when it was airing made it clear that people like to watch this stuff, even though it's painful to see. Like Dilbert, so, right? Like Dilbert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing, they yeah. they <laughs> get at the heart of the pain, but all comedy, real comedy, good comedy, there's truth in there. And, and so it was, so it's kind of the way I, I 
taken it as well. Let's let's call out what's happening and then let's just remind people maybe the way it should be. Because so many managers, so many frontline leaders are in place seemingly by accident. I mean, they might have been political in their strategies. They might have made the right contacts. And but too many times it wasn't because of their competence in the work that needed to be done, but rather the connections they had or they knew somebody or they just right time, right place. But boom, there they are in the spot. And, and the skills for being good at helping other people do well in the workplace are different than the skills, assuming they were a good worker. It's different than those skills for those people who are working the front line, the, yes. the individual contributors, overseeing the individual contributors and, and helping them grow and, and develop and, and move forward in their own careers, different set of skills. And um, I just found that grabbing attention to point this out on a regular basis in, in a fun um, way that people can relate to seems to get more attention, more attention than when I uh, listen boys and girls, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you know, and go on for a, a dry minute or two about straight instruction. I, uh, technology today can tell me exactly when people stop watching and they, <laughs> they'll stop after about five seconds of that. So, so having fun with video and, and short messages uh, seems to get more attention. That's the strategy I seem to have fallen into. Oh, love it. Love it. Let me take a rabbit trail. One of your answers there, you said, um, the different skills of being a manager, a leader, supervisor versus being a frontline individual performer. What strategy uh, or strategies would you suggest to someone being promoted from one of to one above, as I like to say, uh, because you know they've been friends with their coworkers and now they're in a leadership position. Now there's a little bit of distance that might have to be established. And like I said, there's some different skills that uh, you put in your tool belt in order to be successful at that? What, what couple of things would you recommend? Well, that's a great question because there are so many that find themselves in that situation. They were mm -hmm. just one of the team members and it was all great. They could go out afterwards and have fun together. But once they're in that frontline leader situation, now overseeing the people they were previously uh, just colleagues with, the dynamic does need to change. And in fact, that was one of the first articles I wrote uh, outside of my own books. It was mm. for Pizza Time Today. This was years ago, but, <laughs> but the title was, you know, friend or or leader. And it it can to some degree be both, but there there definitely has to be a separation. One of the recommendations I I, I would throw out is to don't lose that that whatever personal connection they may have had with their team members as they were just one of the team members, uh, needs to stay intact. I did mention that the, the connection has to change some, but the, the care for the individual doesn't have to, and mm -hmm. it shouldn't change. And, and it's, it's, I won't say tempting, but one can certainly get very heavily involved in the work of a frontline leader, reports and other meetings and responsibilities outside of the team. But I, there's three things I'll just, aside from maintaining that relationship, I would say that the three things they need to tend to the most would be making sure they keep good communication with their team members, 
that they are competent in the work that they need to do as a developer of the team members and of the work of managing um, and that they care. And again, that kind of hails back to that first piece. So in all the research I've done, all the studies I've read, all the work I continue to hear about and see in the, in the academic journals regarding management, I have yet to hear any idea about being a good leader that doesn't fall into one of those three categories, competence, communication, and care. Mm -hmm. So if, if they can master those with respect to the work that they have to do, the, they'll likely be quite okay. So good. Thank you. Why is being intentional about developing a healthy culture so important? What are the consequences if there is no intentionality there and maybe some indicators that it truly is a healthy culture? Sure. I've always thought in terms of water uh, with respect to questions like this. People will ask me, what's the big deal? Especially leaders who really don't want to put and this is now I'm talking executive level leaders here, those who don't really want to put a lot of time and attention into helping their leaders become better leaders. I, I think it's a lot of parallels can be drawn with waterways and we'll see water that has not been tended to uh, quite frankly, bad stuff's been dumped into it. Nobody would want to get near it. It smells it's slimy, icky, not so good. And, and we see some work environments that are like that uh, in an analogy sort of way. We also see water that's kind of, it's muddy, it's not clear, it's swimmable. And so unlike this first case, it's swimmable. Um, maybe not the best of fun, but you know nobody's going to die from, from jumping into that water. And then the, the third possible way is really clear, like mountain fresh lake water or, or warm tropical waters and beautiful. You, you want to be in that stuff. And, and I think workplaces often, you know, they're going to be somewhere on that spectrum from the don't want to touch it to love to be in it all the time. And the, the thing that executives need to really spend some time thinking about is what is the culture of their place like? Is it a place where there's high turnover and a place that people really don't want to be at? Now, while there may be corporate level policies and procedures and, and ideas, visions to, to say, you know, we're going to have the best culture ever. Well, that's great at the executive level. I will always campaign for that. But, but if the team leads are running their own show, kind of not falling in line with this corporate ideal and, and not paying attention to the communication, the competence, the care to go back to that. Then you get the kind of water nobody would want to touch. You get the kind of culture nobody wants to be at. And so we see it in high turnover. We see it in low morale. We see it in bad customer service. And these are the things that will happen when the water as it were, is not good. You, you move it up a notch where you'll get some of that stuff happening and, and the bad stuff's not flowing in quite so much. This is, I think, most of people's work situations. They'll, it's okay. You know, it's, nobody's going to die from swimming in it. I go to work. I do my thing. They'll do enough to 
you know, maybe get that raise at the end of the new year or maybe a promotion at some point um, that, you know, it's, it's the retention is the company's is accepting of what it is. The, the morale is okay. Most of the managers are on board with the program and they're, they're, they're sharing the information. They're competent themselves and they care about the people. And that's where I see a lot of organizations landing is somewhere between the really not so good and the really great. But of course, in, in the case of the most, the clearest water, the, the most comfortable tropical waters to swim in or that, crystal clear mountain lake fresh that's that's the kind of work culture if we were making the comparison here that's where we're going to find the the highest retention the the best customer service which will always lead to better sales higher profits these are the natural stronger brands these are the natural consequences of tending to making sure that those who oversee others bring to the table the skills that will help create this culture. Again, the executive level folks can, can say and do all that they want to try to create this, but it really only happens in the organizations where the frontline leaders, the team leads, the managers uh, take these things to heart and practice it because for the bulk of the employees in any organization, they're not going to be connecting with the CEOs on a day-to-day basis. Mm-mm. It's their it's their immediate supervisor that will make or break their experience at the workplace, helping them and and causing them to want to stay and provide more and do more and and just be more productive. And that's going to help them for first personally, professionally, but also the organization. No, it's so good, Aaron. Long-winded answer, but yeah, I think that's uh, there's a lot of connections there. Yeah, let's take a quick break. You are listening to the Grow Forward Today podcast on the Voice America Business Channel. You can contact me at my website, GrowingForwardServices.net, and my guest Aaron Grow at his website, APGrow.com. We'll be back after the break, continually talking about culture and personal leadership and influence. Stick around. If you're a manager or supervisor trying to keep your team and yourself engaged, motivated, and accomplishing goals, then you want to check out Bullseye, Paul Casey's membership community for team leaders, coming alongside you to achieve confidence and success in leading your team. Within Bullseye, there are plug-and-play forms and tools, inspirational audios to pump you up, team player videos to play in staff meetings, icebreakers for your one-to-ones, and of course, interaction with Paul and other industry team leaders to chat about how to solve the problems you are wrestling with. Paul will bring on live experts once a month to answer your questions on their expertise, and he will ping you twice a week via text to encourage you in your pursuit of your goals. Finally, there is a resource for anyone who supervises others and wants to develop their potential. Check out Bullseye to find out more and subscribe today for the best rates they'll ever be at growingforwardservices.net. That's growingforwardservices.net.
You are listening to Real Money with Lisa Chastain on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question for Lisa or her guests, you can call into the show at 866-472-5789. That's 866-472-5789. You can also send an email to lisa at lisachastain.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Here is Lisa Chastain. Welcome back to the Grow For Today podcast. I'm your host, Paul Casey, and I'm with Aaron Grow, Dr. Aaron Grow, that is. And he is a doctor of all things leadership. And he was just laying down some really good nuggets about how culture and water is a good metaphor for culture. You don't want to be in that neglected, polluted water. No, no, sir, no, ma'am. Uh, swimming but murky is where a lot of people are in their companies just enough it's okay management okay morale okay customer service but you want to be in that clear refreshing tropical water where the highest uh, staff retention is the stronger brands more profits and it's those team leads those managers in the middle that are the key to casting that positive shadow so let's talk more about that aaron because leaders do set the tone in every situation they are a part of what are some ways you coach leaders to cast a positive shadow over their organizations and teams? Well, I will, I will never try and and pitch other people's material as my own. I just ethically not right. And, and in this regard, with, with respect to this question, I, I think some of the best material that I could share is what's for years been shared by Kuzi and Posner mm-hmm. in, in work that they typically refer to as the leadership challenge yes. and the five pillars of leadership. Uh, it, it's, I like their model uh, because it is, it is easy to take the phrases that typify each of the pillars and, and see where it might be applicable to individuals. So, so just quickly, I, I think, the uh, strategies that could help uh, leaders cast a more productive shadow for their teams would be to model the way. I mean, this is one of mm-hmm. Kuzi and Posner's first tenets, and that's, I think, fairly self-explanatory that that if we expect our, our team members to work full days, then we ourselves better be there. Um, <laughs> taking off to the golf course at, at 3 p.m. on a Thursday regularly may not be the way to go if you want everybody else to stick around and work a full day. Um, so modeling the way makes it a lot of sense. Also inspiring a shared vision, uh, creating that vision, how the team fits into what the company's doing and why it's important for us all to have that vision, uh, bringing in people who ex- also can get excited about this vision. There's so many steps in that, but, but the overarching, um, pillar there is to inspire a shared vision. Another one uh, in, is to, you know, challenge the process. Sometimes it's important. So many things in organizations are done simply for legacy reasons. It's the way it's been done. And, and things may have changed. The market may have changed. The, the technologies may have changed. Uh, people may have changed. Often the way things are done on a team are done that way because uh, somebody on the team at some point had a special set of skills that made that process a good way to go. Well, these things can change. So challenging the process is another, in a healthy way, always healthy and productive, 
inquisitive way would be a, a third strategy. The, the last two, again, this is Kuzi and Posner's, uh, you know, pillars, mm-hmm. not for myself, but I, I still think it's worth sharing would be to encourage the heart to, to do. And this again, in my, in my way of thinking, everything I'm going to share is going to come back to communication, competence, and care mm-hmm. and encouraging the heart, which is one of their pillars is where I would find the care piece and, and doing whatever might help the individuals to, to feel that encouragement. And then of course, this last step, so important, enabling others to act uh, is the fifth pillar that they go into giving uh, team members, the resources, the support, uh, the help they need to do whatever it is that needs done. So many managers seem to delight in being a roadblock for the work that needs to be done. Like everything has to go through them or uh, whatever the case may be. And it, and this hinders the work and managers who can trust more or who train uh, others to take that work that can be done without they themselves having to be there, uh, I think is a better thing. And so enabling others to act is this fifth uh, pillar. And all of these, these five elements, I think are, are strategies that will help create, uh, well, going back to the words of your question, uh, setting the tone and um, creating that positive shadow, if you will, uh, for their organizations and their teams. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of that book, The Leadership Challenge. So listeners, grab a copy of it. It's a little thick of a book, but it's it's a good read. And it's still in, I read a book a week on leadership and personal growth. It's still in my top five out of all those Dozens and dozens of books I've read. I come back to this book. So it's so great that you were able to introduce our listeners to those five principles, Aaron, because I believe in it. Uh, I'm I'm the leadership developer of Leadership Tri-Cities here in my town, and that's our curriculum. So I get to swim in that uh, every year when I teach the new cohort going through. So great stuff. Great stuff. Well, good. Yeah. Anybody who's in leadership, this should definitely be on their shelf. You know, it's in its sixth or seventh edition, uh, <laughs> which tells you a, a little bit the subtitle, How to Make Extraordinary Things Happen. I think it says it all. Those two things, uh, plus our own endorsements for what they're worth, uh, <laughs> you know, suggest that it is definitely a book worth having and knowledge worth retaining if you're going to be leading people. Truly. Well, Aaron, we all want to be productive at work. So, what's the correlation? between leadership behaviors and organizational productivity. How do those two go together? They almost seem like separate things, but you put them together. Well, yeah, we've kind of touched on this already. Uh, Strategies that will help create a productive work culture naturally lead to more productive behaviors. Uh, When there is clear communication, about what needs to be done. And, and that communication flows both ways, not just top down. Uh, that's going to help create a more productive organization when there is uh, competence, when the leader demonstrates their care for their position and their care for the work of the team, they're going to take some time to create whatever change in their own abilities has to happen so that they're competent in that position. And with competence comes respect. And when there's that respect, there's going to be, again, it just ups the level 
a productivity among team members. The communication also brings trust. That's the byproduct of that. And that care will bring loyalty, you know, at least to some degree. I know people may move on for different reasons. That happens. Turnover is natural. Even in mm-hmm. good work situations, people may need to move on to move up. That happens. But if they are able to foster the good communication with team members, they make sure they're competent in the work that's being done and they show that care. I think these three things will naturally bring, well, I mentioned already a loyalty, a sense of trust, a a sense of, well, I mentioned a third thing. I don't want to stutter, but, but each of these behaviors, the competence, communication, and care brings an immediate and natural response from team members that will kind of want to keep them there longer, help them feel more productive, show a purpose. And, and if that, if that feeling of connection isn't there, well, then it's time to have a different conversation, but at least the leader will have done what they need to do to demonstrate. Here's, here's what our goals are. Here's what our purposes are. And we're in this together. And, and as long as that's not just lip service, but in fact, actions, that match those words, uh, there's going to be some good things coming out of those organizations. Yeah. That reminds me of the speed of trust uh, by Stephen Covey, the younger uh, where he talks about how through, through trust, through your, through three C's uh, he says it probably different way with his, his 10 principles, but through those things, you actually move faster through your work teams actually get more done faster. There's literally speed in trust because you're not putting on emotional masks. You're not playing games. You're not posturing for position or playing the need to know basis game. And so um, I think that goes right in line with what you've said with your three C's for trust leading to productivity. You know, it's everybody's job to create a culture, even though we've really been focusing on leaders a lot in this podcast. So whether it's a family or a workplace, right, we're all in teams or small groups of people. How would you say now, if we were to go down to the individual performer level, how do they contribute to culture development? That's This is a question worth exploring, and we could go all day on this because I think a lot of People who go to organizations uh, day in and day out don't really see themselves as an influencer of the culture, Mm -hmm. but rather just a partaker of whatever the culture happens to be, which is uh, not seeing the whole picture because every individual will add something to the mix, right? That spices that are in ingredients in the kitchen and those cookbooks (laughs) there's a reason for each one of those spices or those ingredients and, and they all play a role. And so, so too with individuals uh, in organizations and, and though it may not seem like this is the case that uh, certainly at the team level, it, it very much is. We have people who seem to like to, I don't want to get negative here, but there are those who seem to enjoy complaining. That <laughs> seems to be their joy is is to find things to uh, be negative about 
And uh, for whatever is that reason, rotten spice? <laughs> yeah, it's the salt instead of the sugar mistake there. Oh, and 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 yet it's regular. And and I'll go back to if a manager isn't ready to to have a conversation about that, it's going to change the flavor of the whole team. So certainly, it, it's easy to see how negative behaviors can influence teams in a negative way, but it. it it is also true, though it may take longer to see, that those who bring a more optimistic view, a, a stronger work ethic, a continuous learning a desire for themselves, even if an organization doesn't have a situation where they might be able to take advantage of a, a formal learning being paid for through tuition benefits or things like that, it, there are so many ways that individuals can continue their own learning, whether it's through professional organizations like you mentioned, you and I meeting in the Professional Speakers Association and, and, and things of that nature, that, that whatever they can do to improve themselves is going to improve the team. And so this is they, maybe they're not doing it for that reason, but the results are going to be there nonetheless. And so it's just people need to realize that they're. Uh, I like uh, my friend, Mark Sanborn, a, a former president of the National Speakers Association. So we can bring his name into this conversation as well. <laughs> He's written several books, mm -hmm. um, but he likes to, it, from his earliest uh, days of speaking, he, he'd like to say, everybody leads, everybody leads. And the only question is, where are they leading other people? And yes, the number of people they're leading may differ, but we all have our immediate sphere of influence. And, and like you asked, what what is it about home or about work uh, that would make the difference? And it's these things. It's are we what what is our go to behaviors it, or our go to thoughts, which then lead to the behaviors and 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 backing up even one step further. Where do those costs? thoughts come from they come from our input so you've mentioned reading regularly and i would encourage everybody to do that reading the stuff watching the stuff listening to the stuff that can put people in a more positive mind set frame of mind to have a more positive influence around others and these are the people who are going to get the opportunities these are the people who are going to see doors opening for them and, and they may not realize it, but it's, it's a natural occurrence. People are willing to help those that they feel comfortable with. Not so much for people who take energy or, you know, <laughs> I call them the energy vampires, yes. right? They just, they're, they're those that just seem to suck the life out of the situation or whatever fun there could have been. It's not going to be there because this person's doing what they're doing. And it's just, it hampers them personally. So. There, there it is. For what it's worth, I think uh, people can be individual contributors to either the betterment of a culture or the detriment of a culture. And, and so folks have to ask themselves, where are they in that spectrum? Where are they fitting? I, I think any day is a good day to show off their best self. I'll, I'll go with one quote. I know we got other questions we probably want to get to, but I, I love what I, I heard John Travolta say one time in an interview, and, and you know, this has to be true because I heard it on Oprah. So <laughs> here, here it was. Um, 
it, he was asked a similar question. How do you, how do you go about your work? What is the um, attitude you bring uh, as you move forward? And his mother, who was also in the entertainment business, uh, he shared this. He said, my mom always told me, John, when you're out, you're on. Just keep that in mind. Mm. When you're out of the house, you are on the stage, so to speak. And I think uh, other people need a reminder that everybody leads. The question is, where are we leading others? And if it's a, if it's a positive, helpful path, it'll open doors for us. It'll certainly help the organizations we're with. And if it's not, well, then the opposite result's going to happen. Yeah. And another great metaphor they use with the spices metaphor and how they enhance the flavor of a recipe and your spice, your strengths enhance the flavor of your team. And it just reminds me of strength finder and, and other self-assessments where you find out what you're really, you rediscover what you're really great at. And, you know, if, if you weren't there, there would be a hole on the team. So everybody's been hired for a certain purpose or we wouldn't need you. So your strengths are the highest contribution that you bring to the world. And so you've got to put your spices in the recipe or else uh, it's going to be a little bland without you. So that's a yes. great metaphor. I love it. Oh, I'm full of them. <laughs> <laughs> full of something, Aaron. Well, full of something. Of things, yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm accused of that. <laughs> How about full of agility uh, to transition the next question here? You talk about managers needing to be agile. So agility, usually a word often used in sports or maybe even dog training. We want to get our dog in a, a dog agility sure. class. But uh, what does agility mean in the workplace? Well, generally accepted definition for this is the ability to adopt and uh, or to adapt. And, uh, and again, alluded to it earlier, things in the market can change, whether it's uh, a want or a need for a certain product or service whether it's the market conditions themselves, what the economy is doing, uh, what are the members of our team like now as opposed to in the past. And, and so many different internal and external factors can influence a need for change and, or a need to adapt. And, and I, so I can't speak enough about the importance of having this in the toolkit and preaching this to all team members, but also accepting this ourselves. And, and that's not an easy thing. And there's countless examples we could bring out where this hasn't happened. It always surprises me every time I hear of another example where experts in the field, whatever field they're in, didn't recognize or won't recognize or acknowledge the changes that may be happening. And, and, and so Obviously, recognition is the first step, because if that's not there, then change is really unlikely to happen <laughs> because they didn't they either refuse to see it. Or they won't see it. They can't see it. But so I'm going to back up a little before we get to even making change and, and, and having that ready to shift pivot mentality. Um, we've just got to that's got to be first, because um, like I said, there are too many examples of situations where it hasn't happened in the past. And I know these are examples that get shared a lot. So forgive me, but I'm going to say them anyway. When Bill Gates went to IBM and IBM said, you know, I don't think we really need this technology. You go, you do your thing. We'll do ours. Well, and of course, IBM is still a successful company, but what would have, how different would things have been for them if 
they might have listened to Paul Allen and Bill Gates when they first tech, took their technology ideas mm-hmm. to them. Uh, a missed opportunity. Again, yep. forgive me, Kodak. I know you're still a company and you're doing well. <laughs> but one of their engineers took this concept of digital imaging to the executives yep. a decade before digital cameras were released. And their attitude was, eh, you know, we're into film and that's our thing. So we're going to keep that, <laughs> uh, you know, many music producers in London ignored the Beatles. These are executives in the business of music who just couldn't see there may be a time for a change in what they would accept for their label, which is fine. You know, Apple music got started and, you know, the Beatles moved on despite the fact that those quote unquote experts wouldn't see it. And even major retailers today uh, have been schooled in a need to stay agile other businesses are popping up all around them uh, and major retailers are sometimes getting on board soon enough, sometimes not. And in each case they're, well, they're either paying the price or they're reaping the benefits depending on Mm -hmm. their attitude towards being ready to adapt if adapting is needed. And so honestly, uh, a workshop on the, the specifics of what that would take, uh, would would take a long time. Um, but so so in our short conversation, I would say the most important thing is to just train ourselves, uh, leaders, train yourselves to not be married to whatever it is, the way you do things, the service you have, the products you're creating, um, and and be open to a need for change in either the products, the services, or the ways you're doing things whenever it makes sense. This hails back to Kuzi and Posner's challenge mm-hmm. the process mm-hmm. that we be one of those people who are just keeping our eyes open and keeping our ears to the ground, if you will, for when that might be necessary and then not being afraid to move forward in those directions when they, when they might be needed. Great stuff. Well, last couple of questions for you, Aaron. What do you want to promote for a listener's personal leadership development? And how could a listener best contact you if they wanted to follow up? Well, thanks for asking that. I, I, I am the COVID did a lot of things to a lot of people. <laughs> and, and in our business of being a keynote speaker for organizations, uh, being a trainer and, and working with others directly, live in person, a lot of people in our profession uh, decided to hang it up. I mean, they, they did not want to pivot. They did not, mm-hmm. they had had a, a very productive career. Some of them since the seventies or eighties and um, <laughs> you know, that's 50 years in. So that got to love them. Praise glory, lot and honor to them, but many have retired. And, and so I think I would, want to say i'm here i'm here now and <laughs> i haven't been involved with this since the 70s although maybe a bit and, and just ready to help organizations live in person um video i i use music i use magic i use uh, poetry it's only some of that comes across on the internet so i'm ready to jump on some planes and visit people in person at their com- conferences and, and and trainings, whatever they're doing along those lines, 
either with the associations or the uh, in, in-house company situations. And the easiest way to get in touch with me would simply be uh, to go to my website, uh, as you mentioned, apgrow.com, and click the contact page. My, my uh, cell number is there. I'm not so big yet that I won't take my own calls. Uh, <laughs> me either. <laughs> which, is, which is, you know, it was just okay. Um, but certainly an email is always doable. APGrow at APGrow.com as well. Thank you so much, Aaron, for all the value you added to us today. Keep growing forward. And I know you're going to keep adding value uh, all over the country and through your social media. Thank you, Paul. It was a pleasure conversing with you today. So I have some takeaways from Aaron today. Keepers worth mentioning. Uh, you, you couldn't miss him saying the three C's, right? Not just when you're promoted to supervisor, although that's a great one to remember, but also just in your day-to-day leadership that you're not going to go wrong if you care about your people, if you communicate both up and down, and if you stay competent in your work and in your leadership capacity, it's going to build trust. It's going to build loyalty in your people. And it's almost like they can't not go with you on the journey as a leader without those three C's. I love to talk about uh, the spices being enhancing the flavor of your team. So lighting up your strengths and your contribution, you're leading whether you like it or not. You just are. People are looking to you. So where are you leading? And what are your go-to behaviors? Hopefully you're leading it in the in the areas of not being an energy vampire, but being an energy giver. And then um, also not getting married to your ways, your ideas, your products, be willing to adapt, be agile in your leadership. The GFT podcast is all about putting the practical tips from my guests into action for your personal leadership development. And remember, if you learn something, but you don't put it into action within 72 hours, those valuable gems start to slip out of your brain gradually until they lose their value to your life. My first book, The Static Cling Principle, is a quick read about how what you attach to your life will alter your future. Go on over to my website, growingforwardservices.net, buy a copy today or any of my five books on personal and team leadership. Thank you for listening to episode 37. Please spread the word about this podcast to those in your circle of influence who are hungry to grow forward in their lives. Remember, you must lead yourself well before you can lead your team well. And until next week, keep growing forward. Thank you for tuning in for this episode of Grow Forward Today. Remember to visit Paul's website for more tools that you can use at growingforwardservices.net. Join us again for another edition very soon on the Voice America Business Channel. 